everyone, this is Viv, and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. Hey, y'all, we are back with another episode, and I'm quite excited about this one because they have been able to achieve a lot in the past decade, and I'm talking about Strive Together. I'm with Parv Sandosh Kumar, who is the Vice President of Equitable Results at Strive Together, and I am just blown away by the sheer impact that this organization has been able to achieve. I'm talking 70 partnerships across the country, 14 million children. And Parv, I'll let you tell that story and share with us the mission. But I'm just so excited that you're here and welcome to the show, Parv. Thank you so much for having me. So exciting to be here to share more about the work of Strive Together. We are really motivated by a few key questions. What will it take for every child to have every opportunity to succeed from cradle to career? And specifically, what will it take for all Black, Indigenous, Latina, and Asian youth and families and those experiencing poverty to have every opportunity to reach their full potential? So those are really the guideposts for what grounds our work at Strive Together, which is a national movement of communities working to transform systems to get to those better and more equitable outcomes. And I have been at Strive Together for a long time, almost eight years at this point. And part of what has kept me motivated to be here is really this idea that communities across our country should be platforms for learning and improvement where every resident, every citizen, every institution has a role to play in getting to better and more equitable results for every kid. And that the way to do that is by all of us working better together to to make it possible to to get to those changes in systems that get to better outcomes. I think when we talk about working better together, it can be sort of daunting and hard to envision um, how systems can work together. So I would love to see clear examples about that and um, how Strive Together has been able to achieve the working better together with multiple systems and partners. Yeah, absolutely. So our work really starts with the North Star of economic mobility and creating equitable pathways for every child to have the best possible opportunity. And so when I think about the plain language version of that, it's really about changing the equation of opportunity for, for kids and families and and really getting everyone in a community to work differently together to to get to those big goals. And this really is long-term work. It doesn't happen overnight to to break down the systemic barriers that have created long-standing inequities in our country. And um, like our communities all over the country are are seeing what's possible to actually change change that equation of opportunity. And it it, I mean, it really is long-term work, I think, is one of the big messages that some of our partnerships that have had the biggest successes have have been at this for a long time. They've been at this for at least five years, in some cases, more than a decade, and before they are starting to see real significant, tangible examples of when we think about systems transformation, it's about shifting policies, practices, resources, and power across the community in service of those better and more equitable outcomes. And it's about doing that work in a way that is lasting change. 
so that it's not just that you make a change and it happens once, and then if there's a change in leadership or a new, like new people in power in government, all of that goes away, or if a leader transitions out of an organization, that change goes away. But how does the change become stickier, lasting through all those transitions to weather those storms? Um, and then over time to see those changes increasingly be led by youth and families in the driver's seat. So over time, you're seeing power shift to youth and families, and then you're seeing what's working scale and sustain and spread over time. So that's the work that our communities are working towards. And it, it really is these building blocks of working with community leaders to figure out like how do you bring people together? How do you effectively use data? How do you co-create solutions with youth and families? How do you work towards advancing policy change and really keep your eye on the long-term game of what will it take to get better, more equitable outcomes for every kid and family, regardless of race, class, zip code, place? It sounds like this isn't a band-aid solution type of organization, which is important to note because a lot of frontline organizations have to move fast and yield fast results when lives are being affected on the ground and it can be difficult. But I would love if you can take, take us from the macro to micro and tell us about some of the partnerships you have and how they work together. Yeah, definitely. So we really challenge our communities to work upstream, as you described. I mean, it's really about working to address the root causes of disparities and change, change how systems are working and how leaders are mobilizing others into action every day at every level, at the individual level, at the organizational level, and at the systems level. And I feel like there are countless examples to share from across the country. So it's it's hard to choose a few to, to start with, but I'll, I'll give you a taste um, from, a, from a couple of communities just to, just to get things rolling. So I'll start in Minnesota, one of our partnerships, Northfield Promise. They have been doing some incredible work really about aligning system priorities to shift policies, practices, resources, and power, mostly around early childhood and K-12 outcomes. So recently, their school, their school board at their local school district adopted a whole new strategic plan that fully aligns with the cradle-to-career partnership outcomes. And what this means is that all of the district budgeting and decision-making is going to be fully aligned with the, the cradle-to-career partnership. So that, that is like a really clear example of that cross-sector alignment in service of shared results that we talk about. And then on the data and collaborative action front, they launched this pilot project a few years back in one of our leadership programs called the Move Five Kids Initiative. The idea was, what would it take to give power and resources to elementary school teachers to figure out how to get more, five more kids reading at grade level by next spring. And so the idea was creating the space for and empowering teachers to, to do what they know best in terms of how to get kids to read. And they piloted this program in a few school, in a few elementary school classrooms and saw great success in terms of increasing reading levels over time. And so now a couple of years later have, have scaled this just like district-wide. They've also done a Youth on Boards initiative where they have nearly 100 high school students serving on 
the city council, the school district board, county boards and commissions, and boards of local nonprofits. That's a really powerful example of seeing that shift in power, not just in how people are talking about the work, but really walking the talk on shifting power. And they even recently had like one of their youth on boards graduates as like as they became an adult become elected as the first Latina city council member in the history of that community. So those are just a few examples from one community. And I feel like I could go on and on across different partnerships across our network because there's really incredible working work happening all over the country. That's absolutely amazing. I know you described a few key roles and partners here, you know, students, families, educators, district and community leaders. What is the call to action for some of the listeners in these roles and those who are not? How can we get involved? So wherever you live across the country, all of us are part of systems that can support or hinder a kid's ability to be successful along their pathway from cradle to career. So we each have an opportunity and a responsibility to really change what's possible for our kids and put more people on a path to economic mobility. So if you live in a community that has a Strive Together partnership, so we're in 70 regions across the country and nearly 30 states right now, join us and find your local code of career partnership, get connected. And if you're not in one of those 70 places, think about what it looks like to do this type of work in your own day-to-day work. We talk about civic infrastructure a lot in our work. I mean, every place in the country has infrastructure like bridges and roads and electricity, but the people infrastructure is what we're talking about, whether it's like the civic spaces or institutions of learning and the spirit of innovation and improvement. And our partnerships are really, in a sense, modernizing and rebuilding America's civic infrastructure to take bolder action, to work upstream, to change systems and put every kid on the path to economic mobility. So my call to action for your listeners is to figure out what your role and contribution can be towards this long, long-term long work of changing systems to transform outcomes for kids and families cradle to career. Awesome. And as the VP of Equitable Results, what does that mean? What is the data? What are the results that Strive Together is working toward? Absolutely. So all of our communities across the network, as I mentioned, are working towards this North Star of economic mobility. And what we know is that cradle to career outcomes are the best predictors we have right now of getting people on a path to prosperity, on a path to economic mobility. So all of our partnerships to be a part of our network track seven big outcomes from kindergarten readiness, early grade reading, middle grade math, high school graduation, post-secondary enrollment, post-secondary completion, and employment. That's the baseline. So at the core, every partnership is working towards these seven outcomes from cradle to career. But what we know is that to get to better and more equitable outcomes, we can't just focus on the big macro outcomes. We have to dig deeper and address the root causes of what is contributing to long-standing racial and ethnic disparities in particular around those outcomes. And what we found is that in community after community, it's not just the educational indicators that are contributors towards these traditionally thought of education and employment outcomes, 
But if you take a more holistic approach, you can look at what we're calling system indicators, racial equity and system indicators to complement these cradle to career outcomes, which really is about finding the measures that can hold systems accountable. Because sometimes what happens is that if you just focus on the population level results, they're, they're really measuring outcomes at the individual level. So it's like how many kids graduated from high school, how many kids got to post-secondary outcomes. And when you do that, some people may end up blaming the populations and the individuals themselves, rather than asking the questions of what is it about the systems and practices and policies and norms within our institutions, our organizations and systems where people live and grow that are contributing to these racialized disparities in education, health, wealth, and mobility. So to avoid that discriminatory narrative and perpetuate the systemic oppression, we encourage communities to, to complement that focus on the cradle-to-career outcomes with a focus on these contributing system indicators. These are things like looking at culturally responsive curriculum, purposeful funding, access to quality internet, school climate, but also factors outside of education, things like housing affordability, mental health access, transportation equity, food security, and more. And so by, by looking at a more holistic picture of outcomes that, that are working in communities to, to get to those big goals around economic mobility, we can, we can help partnerships share what's working across communities and make progress. The other piece of the story in terms of outcomes and measures that, that we're really proud of is a lot of people talk about collective impact and collaborative action or working together, systems change even, but Strive Together is one of the few places that is really setting a standard of quality and rigor around what it looks like to, to do this cross-sector collaborative work in a way that leads to equitable outcomes. So in partnership with our network, we have created our theory of action, which is a framework that really outlines the building blocks of what it takes to, to, to create the civic infrastructure to work towards transforming systems and getting to better equitable outcomes. And every year we have our partnerships assess progress on that theory of action. So it's really a shared roadmap for what it takes to build this infrastructure in communities. And every year partnerships assess their progress on the civic infrastructure and use that as a guidepost to help them make progress towards the next level around transforming systems. But also it's a really powerful tool for sharing what's working across the network and creating that network effect where people can really learn from and steal great ideas from what other people across the country are doing by, by learning and, and lifting up what's working in certain places, whether it's around how are you creating a youth-driven policy agenda that gets to an actual policy win? How are you changing practices and working with the school district to, to change district policies or practices using continuous improvement? How are you thinking about governance structures? Like the questions are endless. And by, by having this rigorous framework and process and the shared language across the network, it really has helped really accelerate work across the whole country. I just love how Strive Together has gone so deep with its mission. One, looking at these students in a holistic sense. I mean, to advance yourself, 
in education when you don't have all the tools and and stability in all your areas of life is challenging. Where can you find the time when you are working to pay all the bills that are piling up, your car breaks down, but you can't afford a new one to take you to school, to work, to places, your AC is broken and your neighborhood doesn't have the trees to shade the buildings and it's incredibly hard to stay healthy and it just piles on. It ends up affecting the whole family the youth and their education. And we we have to look at it holistically. Um, And there are incredible organizations tackling each and every one of these issues. And it does take the collaboration you were talking about. Second, I love the rigor that Strive Together approaches um, the solution with. Data and rigor has become so increasingly important um, in the philanthropy world. And I wonder, is there ever contradiction between being so data-driven, but staying narrative-based and human-centered? Mm-hmm. It really has been an evolution in terms of data and outcomes and thinking about data and stories. I, th- I would say at the very beginning of this movement, the focus really was on those big seven outcomes from UK readiness through post-secondary completion and employment. And that was the big focus. It was really focused on education outcomes primarily as the core work of partnerships. And over time, in the just as you were describing, people came to see or came to relearn in some ways how much the, the context around you outside of the classroom, outside of your school environment impacts kids' outcomes. And that if we ignore that all of those factors in the community were, were doing a disservice in some ways. And in the same in the same token, thinking about not just looking at quantitative data as the, the core set of outcomes, we've really encouraged communities and been pushed by our communities and our network to, to lift up and find the value in qualitative data, the lived experience of young people and families and residents and communities to complement that quantitative outcomes data. And so as we as we encourage people to work upstream to really address the root causes of disparities, it really comes down to not just what's the data and like it was one thing to get people to disaggregate data by race and ethnicity, for example, which felt like a big battle like five or six years ago that now is a no-brainer to some people, to most people I would say. But in the same light, we have had to encourage and push for not just looking at the trend data and that disaggregated data, but what's the story behind that data? And how are you finding the story behind the data? Who's, who are we listening to in, in terms of driving the priorities of the partnership, what work you choose to do, where you even choose to focus? And so that's when, I, when we think about systems transformation and that work of shifting policies, practices, resources, and power, that last piece around over time, our, we want to see our partnerships start to co-develop solutions with youth and families, where youth and families are, are really driving the priorities of the partnership so that their lived experience is what's motivating the work the partnership does, not the, the same institutional leaders who've been driving systems to date that, that have kept us in the inequitable systems we have now. Yeah, I would love to talk about these results, these milestones. I want to celebrate everything Strive Together has been able to achieve over the years. So the the Strive Together as a national movement has been around for about a decade. Um, In 
since the, the term collective impact was coined in that famous FSG article back in 2011. And the, we created this national network to help support the demand we were seeing across the country to, to, to stand up these cross-sector collective impact efforts. And then as I shared, created the theory of action to really bring rigor to the process. And in doing so, at that time really shrunk the network to the people who are really doing the, the hard work and then slowly over time have grown as a network again. And so we currently support 70 regions across 30 states. It's about 14 million young people who are in, in the geographic footprint of our partnerships. And of those 70 communities, we're so proud that 20 of those partnerships have reached our systems change designation. And what that means is on our theory of action, they have demonstrated tangible examples of major policy wins, shifts in resources, shifts in power and shifts in practices connected to improving cradle to career outcomes. And these places range in size, geography place from Spartanburg, South Carolina to South King County and Tacoma in the state of Washington from Austin, Texas to where I, what I described earlier in Northfield, Minnesota, it's, it's really exciting to see that we're seeing these systems change partnerships in urban cores like Milwaukee and Chicago, but also in more rural places like in, um, in Appalachia, Kentucky, and, and then in, in some broader, more countywide efforts like in Portland or in um, central Texas as well. So it's really exciting to see that across the country in very different types of places, in red states, blue states, and purple states, we're seeing examples of people coming together across different parts of the community to create and sustain these changes to systems that are getting to better and more equitable outcomes for kids and families. That's amazing. And I just want to congratulate Strive Together on everything that y'all have done and things I know will continue. Um, and I would love to put some faces and stories to, you know, these incredible milestones that Strive Together has been able to achieve. Yeah, the faces and stories really are of our partnership leaders and the the community partners that they are working with. Yeah. So, I mean, just having the two of us talk doesn't do justice to the incredible work that our communities are doing. Mm -hmm. um, just this week, we're going to be back gathering in person for the first time as a full network since 2019 wow. um, here in Chicago. And we've got over 500 leaders from lots of different sectors, from lots of different places all over the country coming together around what unites us, this theme of economic mobility. And um, like these are the people that are really getting getting better and more equitable results in their communities that are working in these career partnerships, that are working in school districts, in nonprofits and community-based organizations, in philanthropy, in business, in government, um, all over that are really doing this work every day in partnership with youth and families and residents in these places to get to these tangible examples that we're seeing. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to hear about some of these partners. Yeah, so you heard a little bit about Northfield as an mm -hmm. example. Since we were talking about Texas, we can, I can share an example from Central Texas and Austin. I would love that. 
<laughs> yeah, our partnership there is called E3 Alliance. They are doing some incredible work. Um, one of the success stories that we're super excited about is their work around middle grade math. So E3 Alliance has worked with schools in Central Texas around adopting a new policy for advanced math to basically automatically enroll students in advanced math classes in middle school, giving them the option to opt out rather than asking them to opt in to advanced math. And creating this nudge policy change actually increased the proportion of Black and Latina students completing Algebra 1 by the end of eighth grade and significantly reduced racial gaps by like 75%, 50% in both those areas. And this success in Austin has been so successful that it actually led to statewide implementation in Texas, which is kind of game changing, yeah. where there's now an opt out policy around advanced math as a recommendation across the state of Texas and more communities are using E3 Alliance's data supports to, to create this statewide strategy to spread and scale this change to get even more impact for, for kids across the state. That is so cool. I love hearing these stories and I want to hear more. Where can we find these programs um, that you were talking and you were talking about democratizing and sharing these stories, programs, results with the greater community? Where where can we find these? Yeah, definitely check out our website at strivetogether.org. We have some great case studies and stories of impact and some videos there as well. Um, you can check out our YouTube channel for more short videos about examples from our partnerships. Um, we've also got our own podcast called Together for Change that has some great stories and partnership examples, as well as some great interviews with field leaders that are also connected to this work around transforming systems to get better, more equitable outcomes. So that would be a starting point. And then Again, depending on where people live um, um, across the country, if you have a creative partnership in your hometown, definitely you can find their website through our website and then get connected to their local updates so that you can find out more and get involved in your local partnership as well. And Parv, I know we are reaching the end of our conversation, but I always want to ask, what does the future look like at Strive Together? What are some dreams, challenges, and opportunities we can look forward to. Yeah, the big work I had really is around that, that work from systems change to systems transformation. So we were talking about how do you make the change stickier lasting over time and like what is fundamental and institutionalized shifts in policies, practices, resources, and power really look like. That's really the, the leading edge, cutting edge of this work for us is helping support our communities to not just get these great systems changes and policy wins, but really start to build and institutionalize those changes over time, spread and sustain and scale what works and shift power to youth and families more intentionally and more structurally along the way. I think the other big rock that we're working towards is um, helping break down this paradigm shift of program versus systems and systems versus outcomes that, um, you know, what we have found and what we're seeing communities across the country is that by holding systems accountable, using data and stories, starting to track these system indicators and the credit for outcomes, 
that's what it takes to really work upstream and address the root causes. And so rather than getting stuck in language conflict around what matters more, helping people really see the both and around the systems transformation work is in service of and driving better, more equitable outcomes. That's really what it's about. Actually, a listener reached out to me about this language war, and it happens a lot when you are working in change and transformation, right? And there are so many conflicting values and theories of change. How would you approach these language wars? For us, it really comes back to keeping youth and families at the center. And like when people get caught up in debates and arguments, simply asking a question like, how are the children? Or like, who will be better off as a result of this? Like what impact, are we, what difference made will we have for kids and families of color and kids experiencing poverty? That can really break down a lot of the, the conflict and bring people back to what matters, which is like, what's it gonna take to get to better, more equitable outcomes for kids and families? The other piece of wisdom or advice that I have found helpful is really embracing that systems thinking approach of, start anywhere, go everywhere, and just resisting the urge to to get it perfect and just chunking the work and getting started. Yeah, I'm always so grateful to have these debates and fights because although conflicting, we have an alignment in wanting change and wanting better. And I love what you said, start anywhere, go everywhere. It's, it's one of those sayings around systems thinking that I really have found helpful and like there's not a perfect place to start. It's not like a linear process, the type of work that we're trying to do. And so rather than trying to find the perfect starting point, just get started and test, learn and improve along the way. Yeah, I really resonate with that. And Parv, I am so grateful for this conversation. I've learned so much. I have a lot to think about around systems change and I feel so lucky to be able to share Strive Together's mission if you can reiterate the call to action and where we can find y'all, that would be amazing. You can always learn more about our work and our communities at strivetogether.org. Definitely encourage people to, to get inspiration, get connected to your local partnership if you have one, and, and find ways to find your role and contribution towards transforming systems and getting better, more equitable outcomes. Awesome, thank you so much, Parv. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to, to share and uplift some of the stories of our partnerships. And I just have immense gratitude for the people in our communities that are doing this work day to day to, to get to better, more equitable outcomes for kids and families across the country. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.